Greetings and welcome to The Pure Report. I'm your host, Rob Ludeman, and it is time to bring the orange with our special guest today, Christoph Bertrand from ESG. Welcome to the program. Hello. How are you doing? Great to have you. And I should say great to have you back. I think the definition of irony, and we'll get to that in a sec, is losing the data that you already recorded. So we met at Accelerate and recorded the episode, and it just disappeared. And I guess you would say, perhaps I didn't have a very good data protection strategy. Exactly. You, you, you need to have a backup. <laughs> <laughs> I needed to have multiple backups, but right. those things happen at the conference. So thank you very much for your willingness to, uh, to meet with us again and to record around uh, what you see going on with, with data protection in industry. Before we jump in, um, talk to me about uh, what you do at ESG. What's, what's your day-to-day job like? Well, it changes quite a bit day-to-day, but yeah. I am... Um, what you call a senior analyst. So my focus is research, um, analysis, obviously, what's going on with the data we get, uh, engaging with our clients, uh, creating content. I usually, you'll see me, you know, creating videos and blogs. Oh, yeah. And, oh, yeah. and uh, you know, more generally, just looking at what's going on in the uh, data protection, disaster recovery, uh, and compliance markets, whether on-premises or in the cloud or a combination thereof. Uh, so that's that's really what I do, and uh, I actually had a real job before. I actually worked uh, uh, in product uh, leadership type of function, so I'm very familiar with with the technology from ranging from storage to you know backup and recovery software, replication, etc. So you did a little bit on the vendor side as well before kind of navigating Absolutely. into the analyst world. What are the, what kind of differences do you see between each? What's anything jump out at you? The difference between the, the being on the vendor side versus analyst side? Anything that's striking? Oh, absolutely. I think first of all, I think ESG is an interesting uh, organization. I've known them for many years, and mm-hmm. so I joined the business because I really like the people. And literally, I worked with ESG for 15 years, if not more, through three or four companies. So I knew of the, the quality of the, the, the work, uh, the technical validations, uh, the people really appreciate the research. So it's really helped me. So that was great to sort of now sort of go on, on the other side of the fence and, and be the analyst. And what you realize is, well, the world is not as myopic as you thought it was. Uh-huh. Because obviously, <laughs> when you work for a vendor, and especially in, in product or marketing related functions, well, your product, your solution, your company is the best, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's fair, and that's fine. That's the way it should be. Now, when you are in my position, you have to look at everything else and everybody else and take that open uh, look at the market. So the angle of aperture, if you will, is very, very uh, different. You kind of have to leave those biases behind, I Absolutely. guess, and just be open and go, hey, wait, I wasn't aware of that thing or that technology. Let's go check that out a little bit more. Yeah, and let right. the data drive the, the analysis, I think, and, uh, mm-hmm. and and really sort of cut through um, some of the, uh, you know, the, what the truth you believe when you're in, in a vendor, uh, yeah. working for a vendor on a vendor's payroll is not going to be the same general truth that the market has to offer if you can be uh, as, um, you know, focused on the facts and, and, and real facts. Yes, yes. <laughs> Alternative facts, no fake actual, news, no yeah. fake news <laughs> actual facts, you know, based on research. And, right. and even that is not perfect, but it certainly gives you a much better way to triangulate what's real. And what matters is what end users do, what they want, what they react to, and how they buy and consume technology. And as a vendor, you should really care about that. Uh, because you want it to be one way, it doesn't mean that's the way the market wants, uh, wants it to be. And conversely, there are great opportunities to go uh, fill some gaps there. Uh, yeah, so. it is It is interesting that we as vendors put out technology and we think there's a way that the end users are going to use it. But invariably, 
And, and most of the time they do. But invariably, they always find interesting use cases or, or ways to apply it that right. are vastly different than perhaps what we had planned for. That can happen. But, yeah. you know, the, the notion of really understanding what the main challenges are, mm. what the, their mandates are, what their, their, their you know, biggest sort of uh, hindrances might be to achieve certain objectives, and what makes them tick is really what matters, right? People will... Um, really consume a solution, regardless of what it is, if they have a need and and it has some benefits that they can identify or or naturally uh, uh, conclude that they can get. Yeah. So so that's really the in in a way it sounds very simple or simplistic, but of course it's technology. Nothing is ever simple, and and you really have to keep your eyes on the ball. And it's always changing, right? And I mean, it's there's it's, always it's something always new. always changing, which takes us to to what we want to talk about today, which is to to get some of your thoughts around what's going on with the data protection market and always sort of uh, changing place. Right. Uh, I think I think backup and, and, and managing and protecting data has always been important, but why today? Why today is it becoming more of a top of mind thing for, for a lot of organizations? Right, and I think we should take a kind of a broad perspective on sure. protecting data uh, because it's not just you know, backup and recovery or replication of this technology, that technology, although where and how you do it matters. But let me just start from the beginning. The reality is you don't have... Um, uh, a good backup until you have a good recovery. Mm -hmm. uh, and everything should really be focused on recovery more than on backup. That's kind of number one. Now, of course, there are ways to do things so that it's faster to recover uh, and that you sort of provide uh, a better solution that's going to be less taxing on the environment for the protection piece. What's changed, I think, is the realization that without this recoverability, you're now exposed to data loss events. And those can be, you know, it's far ranging, right? It's from, from human error to system issues to ransomware, obviously, that's a big one. And backup and recovery is kind of the last bastion of, of recoverability. Right, that last resort kind that of. That last right? resort, yeah, yeah. right. So you need that. But in many cases, operationally, you need to be able to get back on your feet quickly should something come up, because time is money. Uh, so some people sometimes confuse backup and recovery with availability. And we see that in the cloud world. People think that their SaaS application as an automatic backup because it's up and running most of the time. Well, that's different. It's just up and running most yeah. of the time. Yeah. And uh, even 99.6% is still 20 hours of downtime or so a year. So it's, it's not, interesting right, when you right. dig into those numbers on right. downtime, right? I mean, there's a lot more like 20 hours is a lot when you're talking about what, tens of thousands of right. dollars per second or per minute or whatever those exactly. metrics that get thrown around, it can add up to a lot of millions really quickly. Right, for mission critical stuff, et mm -hmm. cetera. So obviously having all of the fail safe mechanisms in place, starting with your storage, obviously, and, and through the infrastructure is very key and really understanding that that is, is critical. The other thing is people are still struggling with SLAs and in backup and recovery, it's a recovery time objective. So how much time before you get back on your feet and recovery point objective, which I could call data currency, as in how current is your like data, how recent, the recency and how of it, much right? have yeah. you lost. Yeah. So how quickly do you get back on your feet? How much have you lost? And those are still not quite there yet. Now you add to this the dimension and a great opportunity that cloud offers, you see that obviously there are some significant uh, hindrances to doing the same thing in and with cloud, but also great opportunities to do it better in mm. some ways. It kind of depends and it's evolving. And already I think we're in this phase of evolution where traditional on-premises backup, uh, on backup is evolving to be more hybrid uh, and still, but still leverages that first line of defense on-premises. So it's, uh, it's very interesting what's happening and how things are changing. And I think the challenge will be how do you maintain those SLAs? Yeah. What kind of SLAs? I mean, what you know? What kind of objectives are customers trying to achieve right now relative? 
you know, obviously they, they, they're trying to get to no outages or no data right. loss, but that's kind of nirvana, right? That's it, right. You, maybe you can get there, but it's going to be really challenging. So, but what, what are the realistic goals that they're trying to accomplish? Right. So you have to pick your battles, right? You have uh -huh. to really be selective and you can't provide for high availability and immediate uh, recoverability for everything in your environment. It's just too much data. It would be too expensive. But you can for mission critical systems. And I would say focus on the business, follow the money, whatever is mission critical to the business and infrastructure has to be protected in a way that will deliver higher availability and less exposure to data loss and with multiple mechanisms. And that could include cloud, that could include high availability. Of course, it includes snapshotting and, and advanced storage-based solutions for sure. Now, this being said, not everything, not every application is born equal and there is a diminishing return at some point, there's some data that you can literally wait a day before you get it back and won't kill your business. But having that notion of mission critical versus less mission critical and what is the tolerance that people have is important. Our research shows that for RPO and RTO, for mission critical um, uh, data, people want their, da their data back or be back, they want to be back in business. Majority is less and less than an hour. A majority of the market is is saying, I want my data back. Either I don't, I want continuous data protection, or I want my data back in, within an hour. And that's a majority of the market. And even for non-mission critical data, people have become really sensitive to data loss and data unavailability. And I call that the iPhoneization of of IT. It's because people want it back and they want it now. Well, it doesn't happen that way yeah, in which the real is it, world. Right, yeah. what, it's not an iPhone. It doesn't happen that way. I mean, it's, right. a, it's great that you can do that with an iPhone. That's not the way it works. In reality, things can actually take time. And, and or the investments that have to be put in place have to be such that you know that there is some level of automation for mission critical application that so that between the storage layer, the networking layer, and the application layer, everything fails over so that you never get that feeling of interruption. And, and actually, in actual terms, you don't get an interruption of service, right? But again, that's a lot more involved than you know other capabilities potentially, which, of course, again, go back to the money. What is the cost? So cost right. is always right. in the way. It's always a trade-off, right? Cost is in the way, yeah. and, and you, know, you can't just back everything up forever either. You have to be smart about how long you keep your data, what operational recovery do you want to get? And more importantly, how do you make it work nicely with ransomware, for example, and cyber protection? Right. Uh, it's an ecosystem. It's right? a spectrum, really. I mean, there's really a lot of aspects. And I think sometimes it gets simplified too much to just, you know, it's all about backups, right? It's it's, it's never about there's, backups. There's, there's an end-to-end -end right. sort of set of, uh, of things that you have to consider along with that cost element as well right. in order to have the right strategy in the right place, depending on what the app is, what the data is. And I'm sure there's corporate mandates and compliance things that come into play uh, sometimes too. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, yeah, so it's never about backups. It's always about recovery or recoverability, uh, whether on-premises or in the cloud. We see very similar patterns. And now compliance is an interesting animal because obviously you're, you're touching a lot of data and um, in many ways compliance regulations ask you to provide that level of protection. You can't just go have data be deleted or be yeah, uh, exposed yeah. Um, to people who don't have the authority to look at it. So I think privacy regulations are really changing a lot of things here. But there's an opportunity with data also with backup and recovery. It's one of the only two processes in IT, when you think about it, that actually sees all of the data. There's cyber re you know, recovery, mm -hmm. cyber-related um, type of processes that's going kind to of scan all the data or should. 
and of course, backup and recovery. So those are sort of the only two processes that kind of see everything short, of course, of the original storage of the right. data. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, they touch everything it, really when you so, get there. Yeah. Yeah, so it's a great opportunity to reuse that data and serve it again for other purposes. And that's where I think and I know the market is evolving based on on research we've just conducted. So, yeah. so you've done some of that research, right? And we, you know, we marketing folks, we love these surveys that you do because it tells us exactly what the right. what the pain points. What are what are some of the top three or four things that that you've heard back that enterprises are are, are highlighting as challenges in this space? Right. So, first of all, there's a lot of. Um, I should put this all, there are a lot of data silos, so that doesn't mm. help with with kind of sharing the data. But what we've seen though is that the organizations that actually reuse data, and some of them do, uh, it's starting, it's not pervasive, it's, uh, there's a lot more that could be done, uh, do get a lot of business benefits from it. They really become smarter, better, they can do better analytics, they can do better DevOps, because they can now serve data for you know, that QA effort or that DevOps effort. They can become faster at you know, going to market with their new online application because they've been able to test it and play with it faster, right? Um, of course, analytics. Um, but the big one is compliance. Mm. I mean, as a matter of fact, you can't reuse data that's not compliant. And I think there's a lot of future in data classification, data visibility, uh, really understanding what you have and what it is and where it is and making sure that it is compliant from a, a personal identification perspective. You know, you have this new regulation that's coming into play January 1st in California, CCPA. It's yeah, CCP, about, you already have GDPR. We right? have GDPR, which, which is right? much, much worse yes, in many ways. Yes, that one's a lot more challenging. Yeah. yeah, but same idea. The idea mm -hmm. is that data is an extension of the individual, and therefore there are rights associated with the data about you as an individual, and therefore you have the right to ask whoever has data about you to do certain things or not do certain things. Net, net. Yeah. Well, that's... Easier said than done because most people or organizations, especially larger organizations, have a ton of data uh, and they don't necessarily know exactly what they have and where it is, et cetera. So that's the next, that's what I call the data management chasm. How do you get from uh, just backup and recovery, which is really where I think data reuse starts because practically that's where all the data is. And by the way, storage systems have a big part to play in here as well, because where is the data? Well, it's in production first, Yeah, always, right? So that combination of backup and production and snapshotting and having copies that are easily moved, great first step. And the technologies have been in place for a long time. What is missing is that intelligence hmm. about the data, around the data, where what it is, where it lives, and what's in it. And this right. is kind of where AI, AI and ML are going to come in. It, they're going to come in to help, but also yeah. to leverage the data. You right. could, you know, people talk about big data. Well, I think it's changing. Now it's going to be small, big data. I don't need to run a full analysis of all my sales. If I'm in one region, I just want to know what happened in my region for the past, I don't know, three, four quarters and identify trends or whatever the case may be. Uh, that's one of the typical use cases. And how do you get access to that data just about you and is there a way that the instrumentation exists that I can literally go do that? I'm not a backup and recovery person. I don't yeah. really care about yeah. it. I just want to build a better app or I just want to understand my, my sales better. Very different personas now. But having the ability to serve the data in a way that's going to be compliant and easy to use and self-service um, with all of the precautions taken around uh, the, the notion of portability of data in the context of uh, compliance, I mean, all of that, Easier said than done. And today, I think we're at the starting point where we see the market of backup and recovery that is very mature on-premises. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. And I include in that all of the capabilities you get from 
the whole ecosystem, whether, again, it's software or uh, storage-based or combination thereof, because it's hard to draw the line now between microcode and software it's and all virtual kind of morphing and, together yeah. and virtual yeah, yeah. machines. Mm-hmm. Cloud, there's a lot of work there for SaaS applications, for better backup in the cloud and to the cloud. So that's going to happen in the next three to five years where I think we'll be in a hybrid world where it will be about the same. But the next big stage and where the market, what we're hearing from uh, IT professionals, where the market is going is data reuse and intelligent data management. Yeah. And again, compliance is a, a big driving it's, force. It's going to be a driving factor for yeah. that. But I think it's interesting you bring up the point, and this has come up on a number of, of uh, both podcasts and other things that I do in my role, there's there's traditionally been this gulf between business people, right? right. The people running the lines of business and the people that are managing IT. And many conversations I've been having lately, that that gap, that chasm, to go back to your chasm right. word, it's it's breaking down, right? That the the business leaders and the and the line of business and, and those folks are recognizing the amount of value and are are trying to understand IT more. And conversely right. You've got the IT folks who are now paying more attention to what the business needs, compliance things and right. security and, and and all that, and they're meeting somewhere in the middle, which I think is, a, is, is probably a positive thing, right, for those that maybe recognize that sooner. Yeah, I think organizational barriers are, are still an issue sure. uh, and will be for probably for a long time. But you're right, and this is because of what we call digital digital transformation. I know it's kind of a buzzword, but, it the, is, the, but yeah. the truth is we actually measure that uh, every year, and we're about to get um, a new um, spending intentions uh, report for 2020, and we, and we track how much organizations actually digitally transform and what benefit, uh, benefits they reap out of it, et cetera. So it, it actually exists. It's true. There, there is a digital transformation. Actually, I have just gotten research back that identifies how much data is the business. Most organizations, even those that sell tangible goods, actually use data or sell data as part of the, the package, right? Mm-hmm. Um, even as a consumer, you know that when you buy one of these uh, video surveillance cameras, you're really buying an online storage service, you're buying face recognition, you're buying a, m- a lot more software and data and analysis of that than, than you are just buying actual piece of hardware. And there are many other examples. The point is, to, and think about financial institutions, it's all about data. And, right, right. Uh, anyway, you get the general idea. So data is centric uh, to everything we do in business. And because of that, it is changing, to your point, some of the behaviors and making data more necessary. Uh, and what we're seeing is all of those silos of data uh, being in the way. So the ability to unify management, unify that sort of access to data is going to be very key moving forward so that it can be reused, right? If you can't leverage data as an asset, right, in a compliant fashion, right, then you can't really be digitally transforming. You're not really leveraging the data. That's why people talk about dark data or dormant data, all that data that's created that we can't really uh, use or we're not doing anything with. So I think some of that is going to change. Uh, it's changing quickly. There are, again, follow the money, follow where the needs yeah, are. Yeah. DevOps, analytics, compliance, uh, and of course, better backup uh, and recovery and better disaster recovery. I think these are the four big angles that I th- I think will drive that evolution. Those are going to have the impact the next three right. to five years. What are some of the things that enterprises can do today, right, relative right. to the silos or, you know, starting to dabble? Obviously, you can't go from you know zero miles per hour to a hundred, right, and and just all of a sudden, hey, we unified all our data. What are some of those sort of easy, you know, things that folks should be looking at right now to 
um, to, to, to improve the way that they're operating for data protection? Well, so for data protection, I think it's that focus, keen focus on SLAs, okay. uh, RPO, RTO. That, it doesn't change, and you know we've talked about it, so I think it's pretty straightforward yeah, yeah. in terms right. of intellectually what you have to look at, but it's easier said than done like anything else and very hard to execute on that. But if you can do that right, um, then I think the biggest natural next thing that I see as a big need because of the exposure is risk mitigation uh, by complying better. And hmm. actually IT folks that we talk to really, really understand the consequences of poor compliance. Uh, our research identifies that, and they quote essentially business consequences and you know lost revenue and it's not just Rep pain reputation, reputational I mean, exposures, jobs, uh, job loss, right? I mean, that's, there, there's that actually <laughs> at a very extreme level. Employee right? morale actually right. came sure, up, sure. Uh, and the fines, of course, the the penalties came up, but it was not the first thing. Hmm. So it's not so much the the the, the stick. Uh, of the penalty, uh, but it's the the missed opportunity of of uh, being able to to have a good business, right? And instead, you're, you know, you you've essentially exposed some some failure of your organization uh, that has cost money to the business by not complying. So, so it's very interesting. Uh, I, so I think data classification is probably big next battle. Anything around compliance, big next battle, okay. and continued investment on ransomware mechanisms and and and, and uh, strategies. I think that's probably pragmatically the most important thing data protection uh, professionals can do is really work very closely with the cyber team and continue that work of integrating the. Uh, and rebuilding really a cyber resilient environment. And that means, again, disaster recovery, recoverability is at some point going to be necessary. And um, I would say a common theme or thread uh, is also testing. Mm. So, so BC, test, validate. Test, yeah. validate, not just for data protection, but also for other data reuse purposes. So that notion of testing. Um, and testing your applications with real data, testing your BCDR, testing your recovery, all of that is going to be very key to getting better. Uh, and, and it's very actionable today. Yeah, absolutely. Good tips. Hey, we work with you on a number of things here at Pure. What do you see about Pure that's interesting when you kind of evaluate our portfolio in this space? What, what, well, I mean, what, what, what are we doing well? Yeah. Well, I think the breadth, so from a data protection standpoint, the breadth and depth of, of the uh, fundamental solution set on the platform combined with the ecosystem. Hmm. I mean, that's really the play, right? And you think about what I just talked about, about recoverability, about the ability to get back on your feet quickly, the first line of defense. Uh, of course, the management, you know, you, you mentioned, you know, IT and business people. Well, IT professionals are becoming more and more generalists. It's hard to find a PhD in storage. Yeah, it's really blurring. A PhD yeah. in backup, mm -hmm. right? So you have to have tools and and a construct from a management standpoint, a management plane that's going to be really easy to understand to get to results quickly with some level of automation, um, ease of use. So you think about all of that and you could see how combined with the high performance uh, nature of the solution set, you get to those um, uh, those SLAs a lot faster mm -hmm. with the portfolio. Again, as a whole, I think there are some specific products or specific capabilities that, of course, may help more or less depending on the scenario. But overall, I think you start with a strong foundation, uh, and and that's really what matters. You add the ecosystem, you add the, the cloud ecosystem, you add um, the orchestration, the automation, and the management plane, and you get to something really good. So 
that's where I, I and, and I, I, I'm hearing you're doing stuff around ransomware. So I think we have some new solutions. Because all those other things you mentioned, you know, we've got the ecosystem here. and the management piece with, yeah. you know, with Pure One and, and, and the purity operating environment does a lot of right. good things kind of, you know, under the covers in, right. in automating things. So, yeah, you've got to have a ransomware strategy as well. But it's good to hear that we're we're doing some good things in this space, yep. right? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. well, we will uh, definitely keep it up. Anything else that you want to um, plug for yourself or for ESG that you've been working on that you want to point people to? Well, so, yeah, look for um, more coverage on uh, what I call intelligent data management. So there'll be some, we started leaking some data points okay, here and good. there, but That's there'll, cool. there'll be more. Always good to leak. Right? Yeah. Get some uh, interest. Yeah. So there'll be uh, probably a video blog uh, pretty soon on the on the findings at a high level. And of course, we have some reports coming out for our subscribers. Uh, but definitely, I think uh, the net net for me is uh, the future of backup and recovery is intelligent data management. Uh, IT professionals expect that it will be at a minimum an extension of their backup and recovery strategy. And one in five are telling us it will replace the backup and recovery strategy. So an intelligent data management is really, again, understanding the context and content of the data itself in a context of data reuse. Hmm. So that's going to be really the next, the next big thing in the market. And compliance, compliance, compliance. Can't say it enough, right? Yep. Right. Awesome. Well, thank you again for... Uh, Thank you redoing, for having me. Right, redoing yeah. this from when we you know, I hope, when I hope we're you back this one up, right? And awesome. Yeah, so I'm going to make sure that we get this one We get this one right. So uh, thanks for joining again. Great to hear. Love to have you on anytime that you're available. Um, and thanks, everybody else, for listening. Hope you got some great insights from Christoph today around data protection and data protection strategies. For more information from Pure, go to purestorage.com slash data protection. And if you want to check out what's going on with ESG, Go to esg-global.com and you can find everything great that Christoph and his colleagues are working on. So thank you very much for listening. Please do subscribe. We'll keep the episodes cranking out. And with that, we'll go ahead and wrap for Pure Storage and Christoph Bertrand. This is Rob Ludeman saying, don't look back. Something might be gaining on you. <laughs>